This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It's good to be with you this morning. We're working our way through Psalm 38, the story of Tamar, and, and actually... It's the story of Tamar and Judah. It's a little bit, it's a little bit slow getting into it, but once we get to this point, it moves really fast. And it is real important that you see the different things that are happening here. Because Tamar is put in a position where she really doesn't have any choice. She's being cut off from the promises of God. She's not getting the opportunity to have a son, and she's not getting or even any children, and she's not yet been given the opportunity to have a place or a position in God. God's kingdom. And and the reason that's happening is because the son, the sons of Judah are wicked and they've acted wickedly. One of them, he just was innately wicked. He was he was evil and did not want God's will and God killed him. The second one, obviously he he did not want to give up his for his brother's heirs. And primarily, he did not want to help Tamar out. Now, he did not mind having relations with her. He just did not want to give her a son or give her children so that she might be a part of the family and a part part of the inheritance. And God saw that as evil in his eyes, and he he killed him. And then the third son was withheld from her, and, and it was quite obvious that he was not going to allow, Judah was not going to allow there to be any more of his children going in with with Tamar because he didn't want to he didn't want to lose them and uh, he realized that God was doing something here and maybe there were some character issues that was causing that to happen and he did not want the process to continue on and cause him to lose all his sons and so what happens is that Tamar is told to mourn and she's told to put on her mourning clothes and she's not going to be given any opportunity. She's going to be in the house for a season, at least probably until Judah dies. And then after Judah dies, there really is no obligation by, for anybody in the house to take care of her or to meet her needs. And she's in a position where she's going to be cut off. And uh, that is a rough position. What? She is a virtuous woman. And I'm going to tell the story. And it doesn't seem like she's virtuous. But when we seek out God's place, God's position for us in the world, when we do what is what God has told us to do, or when we have a strong desire to be a part of God's kingdom and to be a part of what he's doing, God makes a way and she made a way. And this story seems so such a dichotomy, but the truth is, it's a story of a woman choosing to, to figure out how she can be tied to the kingdom to be tied to the promises, to be taken care of in God's house. And she's much the Indian widow who wanted her children to be taken care of. And Jesus said, 
And Jesus said he had to feed the children first before he fed the dogs. And she said, yeah, but the dogs get to at least eat the crumbs off the ground. And that seems like that's such a terrible th interchange between Jesus and her. But the truth is it's revelatory of her great faith. It reveals who she is. And she was willing to do whatever it took just to get the crumbs from God. And Jesus said, said you're, you're, what you're asking me for, you have because of your faith. And she got what God had for her because she was willing to be faithful, because she was willing to do and, and search out and seek out God wherever she could find him. And oftentimes we need to seek out God wherever we can find him. And he says in verse 12, now in the process of time, notice the Bible's telling us time is going on. And as well as I do, as far as a childbearing, we live in a time and a season because of our med medicine, because of our health care, that women can bear children far longer or far older than they used to. But back then, childbearing years were, were very minimal and they were very short. And you had to make hay while the hay was in the field, as they would say. And he says, in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shears at Timnah, he and his friends, Hira the Adulamite. Now notice they're going up to shear the sheep. They're they're going to be they're going to they're going on a boys trip, if you want to know the truth. That's what's happening. And he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. Nothing good happens when you go up to Timnah with Hira. Anyway, and it was told Tamar saying, Look, your father in law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. And apparently Judah had a character had a character trait that was also uh, not quite right, or as we would say in Alabama, it ain't right. And, and he, obviously, it was known in the household, and it was known by Tamar. So she, meaning Tamar, took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place, which was on the way to Timnah, for she saw that Sheila was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. Notice, he was grown over this course of time. The third son had grown up, and she was not given to him as a wife. Now, she wouldn't have had to be his only wife. She wouldn't have had to even be his primary wife. She could have been his concubine, and still, and remember, that means second wife, and still, she could have the opportunity to have a child and uh, be tied to the promises of God and be part of the lineage and receive part of God's promises to Israel and to this family and to Judah and his line. She could have been a part of all that if, if Judah had given to his youngest son, who was now grown. And I think the verse 14 is very critical. Notice she wrapped herself and she prepared to get a son one way or the other. And so she she noticed that Sheila was grown and that he was not given she was not given to him as a wife and so she was going to be left with nothing. And so when Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, he thought she was a, a prostitute because she had covered her face. Notice she dressed herself in such a way as to attract him and he was attracted. And then he said and then he turned to her by the way and said, "Please let me come into you." for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. Now, she is going to get a son, but she's not going to get a son from the son. She's going to get a son from the father. And uh, she's going to move up in the line. And she's going to move up importantly in the line because the father already has two sons that have passed and have not had children. 
And she is not only going to advance herself, she's going to advance herself in such a way that she's important in the family again. And she's important in the kingdom again. again. And, and she knew he was, would be likely to do this. And she put herself in a position where she could. Now, there's all kinds of things that you can say negative about this. There's all th- kinds of things you can say bad about this. But I believe that the Bible sets this out. And it's real important because notice, notice the Bible could have just kept on going with Joseph's life. Joseph was sold into slavery in the last chapter. And we could have gone right on into Egypt, which we'll do in the next chapter. We could go right on into Egypt and learn about all those things and learn about what God's doing real Real soon, we could have just immediately stepped off into the into that direction, but we did not. And the reason we did not is because this story is a story of a woman who is faithful and a woman who is desirous of being a part of God's kingdom. And I think it is a fabulous story. It's a story that teaches us that God's plan and God's way was to take care of women and for women to have an important place in his plan and his kingdom. And those women who were part of that plan in that kingdom back in those days considered it important and they considered it, they considered that they would do whatever it took to make sure that they were a part of God's plan and they were a part of what God was doing and they were going to play their role in his kingdom. And she does this and God makes sure of the chapters in the book of Genesis that she gets a whole chapter about what she did so that you can see that what she did was an effort to to find God's will and God's way for her life, and she was willing to do whatever it took to make it happen. Now, obviously, we don't want to put women in a position to have to do this to make it happen, but she, she was genuinely a woman who was willing to make whatever needed to happen so that she could be a part of the plan of God. And because she's in that position, she's going to have it. So he set aside and he said, let me come in to you. And he didn't know she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, what will you give me that you may come in with to me? Now notice, he doesn't have the money that he's going to have from shearing the sheep yet. He doesn't have the ability at the moment. He doesn't have the cash for what he wants to do. And, uh, and he said, I'll send you a young goat from the flock, which is, I guess that's pretty good. And so that's a pretty good deal. And that's a source of food and a source of milk, a source of income. And so she said, will you give me your pledge till you send it? And your pledge is your signet. And it's, it's kind of like your ID, but it's more important than your ID because you passed it on and it shows who you are. And as far as God's kingdom would have been concerned, it would have been revelatory as to you being a part of the children of Israel and of you being a part of God's plan for your family. It was a family heirloom, not just a driver's license. It was a form of identification and it was a form of identification that would be used to know you might send it off with someone with instructions to get something done. And if they had your signal, they had, or they had your pledge, then they, everybody knew that they were speaking on behalf of you. It was in many ways, a representation of your presence, even if your presence wasn't actually there. And so that's what, that's what this pledge is. It's a, it's a signet. It can often by, oftentimes be attached to some kind of rod or stick and it'd be ornate to very ornate. And it was a source of importance. It also showed many times that you were the head of a family. And he said, then he said, what pledge shall I give you? And she said, give me your signet and cord and your staff uh, that is in your hand. And notice she's asking for that 
representation that it's him, that proof that it's actually who he says he is. And and so when she asked for that pledge of that signet and cord and staff, she's asking for, I want to have proof that this is you. And it would have been very important. It would have been unnatural for someone to give that to someone who is doing something for them on their behalf. And it would have been a representation of him, like I said before. And notice, then he gave them to her and went into her and she conceived by him. Now notice, she's now not only got a son, but she's got proof that son comes from the line of God's promises. That son actually comes from Judah himself. And so she arose and went away and laid aside her veil and put on her garments of widowhood again. So she has conceived by not one of Judah's sons, but by Judah himself. And she is now right in the middle of the promises of God. And notice that that God sent a young goat, that Judah sent a young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the men of the place, saying, where is the harlot who is openly by the roadside? And by the way, that word harlot is a kind of can be used as a temple prostitute and who's openly by the roadside. And they said there was no harlot in this place. They know that something has happened. And so he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also, the men of this place said there's no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, let her take them for her. Let her take them for herself, lest we be shamed. Notice he doesn't want to make a big deal about it because he's been bamboozled, as we would say in Alabama. He's been taken advantage of, and he realizes if I keep if I make a big deal of this, then all of a sudden everybody's going to know what actually happened, and I don't want to. I don't want everybody to know that, and I don't want that shame to be on me. So let's just get out of here. Uh, let's split Clyde. Is I guess what he's saying. Let's get out of here except it's, it's not Clyde. It's an Adulamite guy. He says, he says, so she turned to Judah and said, I can't find her. And the men said, they're not here. And Judah said, let her take them for herself, lest we be ashamed. And notice, she, it's of really no value to her. It may be a value in that it, in its, in its core value, whatever the metal was worth, whatever that was worth, whatever the core was, cord was worth, but it wasn't worth anything for her in the sense of being his pledge or his ability to say who he was to someone else. It would have been of that the kind of value to her. And he's saying, I can make another. I'll just have to spend some money on that and uh, we'll handle that down the road. And notice, and it, it came to pass about three months after that Judah was told saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law was has played the harlot. Notice, and she, and you know, that that's true. She really has, in 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 a sense that that Ju, Judah doesn't really even realize it, she's played the harlot. Meaning, she was supposed to be in mourning. She's supposed to wear being wearing widow's clothes, and she's had sex with somebody. She's had relations with somebody. And uh, Tamer, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she's with tri- child by harlotry. So she's not married, and uh, she has a child. So Judah said, "Bring her out." And let her be burned. Notice the heart of Judah is the same heart that is causing um, that is causing his sons to be killed. He has a wicked heart, and you need to see that. 
And uh, he's not as wicked as his sons. But remember, your wickedness, if it's not, if the grace of God's not placed in it, will increase as the generations go. It doesn't decrease. Entropy or or death is as life goes on, as the generations pass down, it doesn't decrease. What a parent will not do, a child will do, unless God's hand is at work in it, unless there's life change that takes place, unless something steps in and intervenes. That's how it works. And notice he wants her burned. And the reason he wants her burned is because he owes her his third son. And he's not willing to give that third son because of their wickedness. Notice when Joseph found out that Mary was with child, he wanted to put her away quietly, meaning he did not want her to have her killed. Quite obviously, Judah is quite willing and ready to burn Tamar because of her having a child out of wedlock. And so when she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law saying, by the man to whom this belongs, I am with child. And she said, please determine whose they are, the signet and the cord and the staff. What she said is, the child I'm having is, is the child of the man who owns this signet and cord and, and staff. And so if you're going to, if you're going to burn me, you need to know who the father is and have him burned also. And so Judah acknowledged them and said, she has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her to Sheila, my son. Notice he's saying she is righteous because she did what it took to be a part of the plans of God. And I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Now you say, how does that work? Having having relations with your father-in-law. The truth is that what she was doing was she was getting to be a part of the promises of God and she was having a child from that family, which was a part of the promises that were made to her when she married Ur a long time ago. And, and the family had a duty to make that happen as far as they could make it happen. If all the men died, as, as in the story of Ruth, then that would have been a different story. But all the men weren't dead. Sheila was alive and Judah was alive. And there was a possibility for her to have children by them. And she was owed that by that family. And because Judah wouldn't do it, she did what it took to make it happen. And that is a virtuous story even though it seems very strange when you try to tie it off to other things. It is a story of her virtue. And in fact, Judah says she's more righteous than me. She is because she acted in faith. She went out and she made sure that she had the opportunity to experience God's kingdom. And so she's been more righteous than I because I did not give her to Sheila, my son, and he never knew her again. Notice he didn't have relations with her again, but he did have a son by her. Now it came to pass at the time for giving birth that behold, twins were in her womb. And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand saying, this one came out first. Then it happened as he drew back his hand that his brother came out unexpectedly. And she said, how did they break through this breach upon you? Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterward, his brother came out and had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. Notice in the lines from now on, when the tribes of Judah are called out, these two are going to be a part of that line, and they're going to be a part. Perez and Zerah are going to be a part of God's plan and God's promises, and ultimately, they're going to, they're going to be a part of God's plan for us in the days we live in. And I love this story. It's a powerful story. It's a powerful story because Tamar, 
was unwilling to be okay with where she was and where she was not in the middle of the promises and the best of God. And she chose to do what it took to be a part of those promises and to receive what God had promised her. And she made it happen. And that is a powerful story of life and hope. And sometimes in life, God puts us in a position where we can't do anything but get up and go. And the truth is you just can't sit there anymore. You can't be in the misery you're in, not one more moment. And you got to find where God is and what God's doing and get involved and get a part of it and get chasing after him. And the reason he puts us in those positions is so that we'll learn to get up and get moving toward him because he's always planned for us to have his best. But until we decide we're going to walk in that best, we will not walk in it and we won't have it. And so I pray that'll be the case for you this morning, that you'll walk in his best, that you'll chase after him, and that you'll be like Tamar. You'll do what it takes to see his kingdom alive in you. And that is a part of the salvific process. It's part of salvation. Our heart and our mind choosing his will and choosing his plan over our own and to get up and to get moving and to walk in the faith that we have. And I pray that'll be the case for you today as you go. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.